Welcome to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. We keep saying that every week, yet our TV shows don't change. I know. <laughs> welcome. Well, maybe we need cowboy lawyer shows. May, oh, God, please don't. Uh, welcome Locked to up. another edition of Emil Franzing's Voices of the then West. I'm going to revert back to the, to the motto of the Baird. First thing we do is kill all the lawyers. Thank you so much. Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. I'm Harry Alexander. Bunker to France across the table from me. And That's this is me. this is and this is our movie Saturday show. And uh, it's Italian Westerns. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, uh, specifically the year 1967 because that seems when uh, they began populating our movie theaters. Uh, yeah, it was it was kind of a seminal year. Uh, they were building up to '67. It was an abundant year. Mm-hmm. There was yeah, we call in fact we're calling the show '67 Plates of Pasta, and there's approximately somewhere around '67 Italian westerns made that year. In America, there was probably. Uh, one-fifth or one-sixth of that made, and only two or three of them were any good. Mm-hmm. So 67 was a bad year for America, and a lot a lot of goomba coming over. <laughs> All right, before we get to that, we do have some things that uh, to take care of. You've got a birthday to talk about? I've got there? some birthdays. you got any announcements? I do. Yeah, I'll talk about that announcement first. Uh, you remember, folks, uh, a couple months ago, we had this lady on Trudy Angel, um, she's a director, movie director, and uh, she's produced this movie that is streaming now. It's called The Mule Pack Train, uh, otherwise known as La Rakua, uh, and uh, it's um, streaming, let's see, the 27th is when it stops streaming, and I'm going to give you a website here, so hopefully you're going to write it down. Write it down. And if not, I'll repeat it slowly. Play the show back and listen again. Yeah, HTTPS and then uh, the the colon and the two lines and then uh, watch.showandtell.film slash preview slash LaRecua 2023 and that is spelled L-A-R-E-C-U-A so that is watch dot show and tell dot film slash preview slash la Recua 2023 it is streaming up until uh, tomorrow the 27th uh, and uh, it'll end at 11 p.m. Uh, so you go to this website and watch it because it's really good and just as a footnote for that when we were researching the show I saw most of it in, diff- in different segments yeah and it is beautifully shot. Yep. It is a fascinating story. It's a true story. Yep. And it's about this older uh, Mexican rancher down there uh, who is recreating the pack mule trains that were done down in Mexico in Baja mm-hmm. in the 1600s. They recreated it. It's just fascinating. Yeah, so watch it. It, it also blows out of the water every time we watch an old western where the men say, oh, we can't bring a woman along, you know, <laughs> she'll only hold us down. Right. Uh, this blows that out of the water. It shows it to be a complete and utter falsehood. Yep. And only to add insult to injury, which I just love even more, <laughs> is that for the first 20, 25 years, she did the route as a pack train guy mm-hmm. before she did the movie, and she did it with her daughter, who was six months old, on the front of the saddle with her. Yes. Yeah, I don't remember so exactly. So all of you fellas out there that who don't think women can pull their weight, uh, this is a woman who pulls... Her weight and yours as well, so get out of the way. Exactly. And uh, go back uh, through our archives and uh, look for the interview with Trudy Angel. And uh, it's uh, T-U-R-D-I and then A-N-G-E-L-L. You'll find it in the archives or wherever you find your podcasts. uh, It should be there. Also coming up, it is uh, out at the... um, uh, Mescal movie set, Evening and Sunset Historical Tours. Uh, there's one happening on the 2nd of September and the 16th of September, both at 
start at 5.30 and again at 6 o'clock. And daytime, you can head on out there in October on Friday, on Saturday, uh, the 6 and 7, and then Friday and Saturday, the 13 and 14 for uh, daytime historical tours. Head on over to mezcalmovieset.com and you will find out all of the information that you need to make that happen. So, in that time of year, I'll tell you, I guarantee you that it's going to be nice weather up oh, here. Yeah. If it doesn't rain, because it's the end of the yeah. monsoon, but you know, even yep. if it does, it'll still be good. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, birthdays. Birthdays. Okay, well, today is the birthday of Kathy O'Hockle, an old, old, old friend, sister of Danny O'Hockle we had on three weeks ago, okay. uh, also sister of Jeff O'Hockle, stunt people, ranchers. Uh, this is, this is a, she was, is the genuine deal when it comes to a ranch girl. And she's rodeo too, right? Well, I don't think she rodeo, but she was a hell of a stunt woman and just a great gal. She was like family. Uh, on Sunday, oh no, excuse me. Oh, yeah, yeah, Sunday, uh, born in 1916, Jordan Montgomery's happy birthday. Uh, again, a tremendous furniture maker and a not not too bad movie cowboy and a real cowboy if, among, from Montana. Okay. Uh, on, uh, let's see, that would be Tuesday on the 29th, uh, born in 1922, Lane Bradford, one of my favorite uh, henches. Uh <laughs> Did a ton of did a ton of movies, but even more TV. And then on the same day in 1936, uh, war hero John McCain—that was his birthday. Uh, kind of, he wasn't born in Arizona, but he's kind of an Arizona son. And that's pretty much it. Happy birthday, all! I'm looking for. I saw a story in the news: a uh, actress who was on um, Little House. Passed away, as did Bob Barker passing yeah. away, and I can't find it in now. So um, oh, it's too I'm sorry. Well, it was uh, it was uh, Michael Langdon's the character of Michael Langdon's wife on Little oh, House of the Oh, okay. Yeah. What's her, what's yeah. her name? Yeah. Uh, uh, I know. I can't uh, think of it. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. It's a different type of name. Well, uh, it's, I want to say Michael. Very pretty. I always bad. thought. No, no, it wasn't Michael Lerner from the Waltons. It no, was, I know, uh, I know that. Too. Or the, uh, or the uh, uh, Gunsmoke movie with James Arness uh, and Richard Kiley. It was a different film. Uh, very pretty lady. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, unfortunate that we lost her. Just like Bob Barker, who was uh, a great guy and uh, helped a lot of people, helped a lot of animals. And uh, every time he saw my dad, he'd wink and, and <laughs> cock his finger in his thumb and shoot at him. And my dad always say to me, you know, Todd, thank God that hand isn't loaded. <laughs> uh, the actress's name is uh, Hersha Harati. I think that's how it's pronounced. That's yes. sound right. Uh, P-A-R-A-D-Y. That's it. Uh, she, yeah, seventy-eight. Yeah. She'd been battling a uh, brain tumor, wow. and um, so mm, unfortunate. Wow. That is. So she she was yeah. loved by millions. I might add. All right. So that's out of the way. Uh, now is our show over? No, the show is not over. Oh, okay. uh, unless you're ready to go home. <laughs> <laughs> They don't even have snacks out yet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the snacks never. That's right. We are streaming live from the White Stallion Ranch, by the way. And uh, our movie Saturday program is all about spaghetti western. 67 plates of pasta. Take it away, Senor de France. Well, first of all, Signore, if you please. Oh, Signore. Signore, Signore, Signore is, the, uh, yes. is the female. Italian is not like Mexico. Oh, I'm sorry. It's a different language, Jerry. (laughs) (laughs) I put put the wrong accent on the wrong syllable. There's there's a difference between uh, pasta and menudo. Well, yes, there is. Uh, (laughs) One's good for you, the other is. Yeah, because you don't eat menudo on a Saturday morning when you're hungover. Oh, well, I, I, first, I, I want to start, uh, even though this is about 1967, I want to start with December 1913. Goodness sakes. It is the first Italian Western. It was silent, obviously. And 
<laughs> I love the title. Indian Well, then vampire. we know that it's impossible for an Italian to make a silent Western. Although, we do know that they speak with their hands. Well, I was just going to say, they, they, they tied all their hands behind them. So, they, so it was a, a true silent Italian Western. Well, you know it's Western. silent. Yeah. And it was, uh, in Italian, it was called La Vampera Indiana, which is... It sounds very much like Indian Vampire. Uh, it was, again, black and white, which is obvious. And it was directed by a fellow named Roberto Roberti. The female lead was Bryce Valerian. And Roberti was her married name because she was actually married to the director. Mm -hmm. But the director's real name was Vincento, Vincenzo Leone. He was an actor, a screenwriter, a film director, made over 60 films, mostly during the silent era. And again, as I said, he was married to Bryce. And their son was a little Italian guy that went on to be pretty good for himself. Sergio, Sergio Leone. Yeah. Uh, Isn't that kind of cool? Pretty cool stuff there. Yeah. You know, we don't think about other countries producing Western movies or movies about the West. But in fact, they were doing them before... We well, yeah, a couple of them. yeah. Uh, Italy was making them before uh, we were on a regular basis. Um, the English made the first western, mm -hmm. and so yeah, it uh, Indian captives or well, captive with the Indians, right? Um, so yeah. I mean, in Spain they were they were making them. Uh, Germany they were making them. Japan they were making them. Uh, well, you know, with silence it was an international. It, yeah. Well, you know, that, that brings me back to something I was talking with Harry about before we started the show. And it was, has to do with AI. I had one of those illuminations that gives you a headache uh, this morning. And I was, but I was thinking, you know, because of dealing with Italians and the, the West, their Westerns were made sometimes in, shot in four or five languages at the same time. And sometimes they weren't even doing dialogue. They'd just be counting in whatever language they spoke, and it was all, a lot of them were dubbed later. But I got to thinking, you know, with AI, you got the voice, you've got the actor, mm -hmm. and then with the AI, you can translate the script into every language. Mm -hmm. You can translate the actor's sound and everything into every language. So you eliminate all the dubbers in the world, all the rewriters in the world, and you've created this kind of hybrid uh, universal western. <laughs> okay, well, I'll wait for that. <laughs> that is scary. That is scary. And I don't know how I got off of that, because we know we don't talk in international. We're talking Italian. Yeah, right. And... Uh, I, I, well, never mind that. Yeah. Um, what is it about the? Uh, were they, they they were sending these over across the Atlantic to the U.S. movie houses, and it was well, that was just a distribution thing, right? Well, what happened was it was the. I mean, they weren't making these specifically for U.S. Uh, audiences. No, no, you know the thing, whole thing, and there's literally hundreds of Mexican, Italian Westerns. They were not made for. Uh, foreign consumption. They were made for local consumption when they did co-productions co and it was like I was saying, an Italian French co-production. Then it was made for two countries, or Italian, okay. German mm -hmm. it might be three, but it was made as basically like when we were making our B-Westerns these are kind of like the equivalent of our B-Westerns for the Italians uh, What did it to me, because I, I, I first of all, I want to preface this that <clears throat> most of the stuff I'm going to be talking about comes from Alex Cox's book, 10,000 Ways to Die, which I really, if you if you want to get an introduction into West uh, Italian Westerns, mm -hmm. it's probably one of the best ways, because it covers a good 10 or 15 years worth of it, of the ones that we know, some that we've never heard of, but... Like we've said in the past, you know, you watch a B-Western made in the 1930s or you watch a, a silent Western made in the, in the teens, and you don't go in to see it with your 19, uh, 2023 mentality. You've got to put on the period. If it's, if yeah. it's a 1933 Tim, Tim McCoy, you go in there like the guy that just spent all day digging ditches and mm -hmm. going to the theater. Mm -hmm. You don't have... The 21st century baggage 
you go in and you look at it like those guys did and that's how you're going to enjoy it well that's the same way with the Italians you've got to go in for these people the, the Italian western well first of all which is one of the amazing things is they weren't westerns they were political diatribes this was their way of dealing with you know like we had we had with the Roy's and Jeans we had a little bit of modernity in uh-huh. there yeah. which dealt with you know like with Jeans especially what was going on in the government yeah. Yeah. but it was all it was very pro American with the Italian it was not very much pro Italian it was like all the corrupt a lot of I hate to say it but there's a lot of communist influence in there about hmm. you know the social the social issues that they they were dealing interesting with. but that you know again that digresses but that's also the under that's the underlying thing that's, that's the root soil mm-hmm. interesting now with American actors I guess have gone over to Europe uh, to make movies and do whatever uh, long time I would imagine right mm-hmm. well there's always always been an interchange of actors coming to America you know and especially actors that had had foreign foreign connections like maybe an actor who was whose parents were Italian or Swedish or something they spoke the language and they might go over to you know to visit the old home country and while they were there stop by a film studio and make a film it was it was it wasn't like well I'm going I'm going to go I'm going to go to Italy to make a movie in the 30s because you know it was it was a whole different world yeah. and the Italians were making brilliant films in the 30s like Mexico mm-hmm. they had some of the best cinematographers in the world mm-hmm. were mm-hmm. in Mexico in the 30s and these guys were going all over the world making movies would it be fair to say that Clint Eastwood was the the first uh, known or named American in uh, famous American if you will to uh, do Italian uh, Western? in a sense that in that what it, it caused the, the films to start flowing this way but before him the Germans were making a lot of westerns and they were bringing Amer- Lex Barker went over when, when his career was just pretty much gone he went over to work for uh, uh, Fellini and while he was over there he started making the German westerns he was doing the Winnetou's uh, as old Shatterhand uh, he was followed a little while later Guy Madison did a ton of German westerns before he ever did any Italian westerns. Hmm. So, but it was kind of like a backdoor into it. But with a fistful of dollars, what happened? And then there again, with fistful of dollars, uh, it got to America on the on the uh, pumpkin wagon because it had done box office business all over the world. And the American distributors, they were still looking at it, saying, "Oh, that's Italian, man. We don't want to mess with that." that goofy stuff and they brought it over anyway because somebody said hey this thing has made a ton of money all over the world it must be it was the same way with Bruce Lee Bruce Lee brought the, the martial art movies to America mm-hmm. but he was a, he was an international star before he even he, before we even knew who he was you know we've been talking and we got to take our first break here because wow. Wow. I have many more questions to find out uh, and learn more about uh, these Spaghetti Westerns. We are streaming live from the White Stallion Ranch. It's Abel Francis, Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, and Todd Roberts. We'll be right back. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true West, where a large number of Westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities 
ways that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Are you looking for a smart way to invest your hard-earned dollars? Look no further than Wilkinson Wealth Management. This is an investment firm that works for you based on your expectations, not what the stock market says. This is a firm that wants you as a client, not just as a customer. This is a firm that lets you design a portfolio for when you need it. It's a new name, but the same great service you've come to expect. I, Miss Wilkinson, is now Wilkinson Wealth Management, 7411 East Tank of Verde in Tucson, 520-777-1911. Watch Old West silent movies anytime at VoicesOfTheWest.net. We all make promises, big and small. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. I do solemnly swear to help you when you're in need. To be considerate and caring. To be your loving, faithful friend. Partner. Child. Parent. Neighbor. One of our most important commitments is to support our nation's veterans. Learn how you can help a veteran going through a difficult time by visiting maketheconnection.net. See, in this world, there's two kinds of people, my friend. Those with loaded guns and those who dig. You dig. This is the Voices of the West. Francie's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, and Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. Uh, we're streaming to you live from the White Stallion Ranch. It is our movie Saturday show, and uh, we're talking Italian westerns. Throw a little Parmesan on that, huh, will yeah, you? I love, I love that, because you know, they had this weirdest take on music. You know, now that sounded like Hawaii Five O. <laughs> well, no, it, it's like uh, the Tall Man. Yeah, uh, with more no, Clue Gulager, yeah, well, Gulager, and Clue uh, um, Gulager. Yeah, and um, oh God. Oh Barry Sullivan. Barry Sullivan. Yeah. So uh, I mean, it jazzy. There's a couple of was. You know, I think Shotgun Slade had a jazz. Shotgun Slade yeah. had the same thing. I can't deal with the themes. Jazz, jazz, jazz cowboys. Well, we watched a, a movie last night. Uh, uh, that uh, it was organ music, it, and it sounded like it was supposed to be a soap opera. Oh, you know, <laughs> it wasn't like Phantom, no, Phantom no. of the Opera. No, 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 no. Anywho, Italian westerns. Todd, Todd Roberts. Did do you recall your dad ever saying anything about the Italian westerns coming in? Was that a threat to Hollywood in any way? Well, I think it was a. Th- I, it, it was an unknown threat to Hollywood because you have to realize that um, the big, uh, it was a threat to Hollywood in, in indirect ways, such as this. Um, one of the biggest areas that it had made an impact on was in the firearms world mm-hmm. because both Army de San Marcos mm-hmm. and um, um, uh, Uberti uh, who have been gun manufacturers for 400 years. Yes. Longer than we've been a country. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, dating back to Jamestown. Yeah. Um, they were making firearms in Italy. And those two companies, um, responding to the amount of Westerns that were being created in Italy, and by the way, let's also clarify that a spaghetti Western is called a spaghetti western not because it was made in Italy, but it was made by an Italian crew yep. with Italian actors, but it was shot in southern Spain because of that desolate yep. desert area which looks like the American Southwest mm-hmm. or somewhat. Mm-hmm. So those two firearms companies started making single action Colts and started making Winchester uh, um, 92s to respond to the need and Henry's. Well, unfortunately, a lot of the Henry's were 92s where they unscrewed the uh, the uh, the forehand, uh, yeah. the wood piece off to make it look like a, a 70, uh, like a Henry. Uh, although it wasn't, you see them in, in American westerns as well. This mm-hmm. is a trick, another way 
that the Italian Western had an effect on the movie industry. But it's so much so that the vast majority, and I know the people at Ruger are going to start to send me hate mail, and I apologize <laughs> for that, but uh, in the cowboy action shooting world, the vast majority of cowboy shooters are shooting Italian replicas. Mm-hmm. They're not, I, I will not call them knockoffs because a knockoff means that it's fake. Yeah, it's this cheap. is a replica. Uh, they're made very well. Uh, they're ma- very made very well, and I've and I've shot mine for over twenty years. Never had a problem. Well, I've got so, four. I got uh, when, four Italian uh, firearms yes, and yes. Uh, all black yes. powder, and they perform yeah. extremely well. I got an Italian swing shot. Yeah, without an issue. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. and 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 then and then there, of course, is. You know, today's uh, lunch menu here at uh, La Casa de Roberto's, uh, where we had uh, Quattro Fromaggi, which is a, uh, a faro. It's a faro grain dating back to the times of uh, the Roman the legions. Uh, yes, but it, it's we're but talking it's about good. Rome. He, he, uh, he's getting prepared. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, yeah, it was such, it was so, it was so valued that the Roman legions used it as currency at certain times. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and we put a little bit of cheese on it, plenty of lemon, black pepper, and we were off to the races. with But back to our subject is, it's important to remember that, um, you know, as much as the American film industry, which thinks it's the be-all, be end-all, and no <laughs> one else can touch it, obviously it can't... Uh, really hold that moniker too well because these films were made there by American artists Lee Van Cleef, Yul Brenner, mm-hmm. uh, Henry Fonda and so on, Charles Bronson Woody Strode, Jack Elam and then they came back here Clint Eastwood came back here and did very well here in our market so some of those films uh, just in the year of 67 are Death Rides a Horse, Day of Anger, The Big Gun Down, Face to Face, mm-hmm. and Bullet for the General. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, uh, you know, it as usual, the big pompous uh, Hollywood loves to say that it's the only game in town, but obviously we know that's really not the case, especially in today's world. Yeah. Not to mention, let me also throw out Django... Kill if you live, shoot, yes. and long days of vengeance. That's one of the one thousand. And a man titles. called. B- yeah, yeah. Well, if they if they made any more Django's, they'd have to set up a commune. They could all live together. <laughs> well, you know, so, I'm surprised. Um, I'm surprised that you didn't mention that. Also, the the Italian westerns was a wake up call because uh, Hollywood for. for for that in that particular year, they they did like I'd say one fifth to one sixth of westerns of what the Italians did, and there was only two or three of them that were any even barely good that year, but it was a wake up call because all of a sudden they were going, hey westerns aren't dead, but instead of making westerns, they just started importing Italian westerns to distributors. I just you know. It, it's the jerkos that uh, run the studios. Yeah, man. Well, you're absolutely right, Bunker. And this is just at the end of the peak of American uh, television, having mm-hmm. westerns. Yep. Um, it's just about there at the end. It's just about to die between shows like uh, Laramie and Wagon Train and The Virginian Laredo. and so on. They're just about... Laredo, they're starting to taper off. We're starting to see that, shall we say, that sunset off in the distance. And, you know, uh, Hollywood has done this more than once. How many times have we heard this? That the Western's dead. Nobody wants to go see Westerns. Yeah, let me remind Hollywood. uh, Unforgiven, best picture. Yellowstone, number one rated TV show on all cable, all network. All streaming, all video outlets combined. Three years in a row. Uh, And then, of course, uh, yeah, nobody wants to go see a Western again. Dances with Wolves, number one box office and best picture. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I want to read As usual, Hollywood's a little on the step uh, because they become apathetic in their laziness based on their power. Yeah, just I, like I, Rome did. Uh, we're talking about the Italian Westerns. Just like Roman, uh, the Roman Empire did uh, in its heyday. They quit making Westerns and they fell. You know, this is, this is so true because you, if you look, what happens, and it's, I believe it, it's the political mindset to a degree of the class of people that are making Westerns. They're, okay. very, they're very left-wing, very mm-hmm. liberal. And the things that Westerns traditionally stand for are things that make them shudder. It's, you know, it's uh, tradition, uh, morality, uh, heritage. You know, it, it's not, it's not uh, you know, commune. That, you, you're talking that makes Hollywood uh, shudder about that. That's what, that's what the people that are making movies yeah. in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, yeah. too, uh, the old-time actors... Which were, you know, we're looking at an era there, especially in the 40s and 50s. These were guys that had fought in World War II. You go another 10 years, you got guys coming back from from Korea. Uh, you know, these were these were men that I I hate to say it, they were still men, and they weren't carrying Gucci shoulder bags like they do today. <laughs> it's just. You know, it's, it's metrosexuals. Yes. Uh, so let me ask you a question, Bunker. Do you ref, do you do you look at those bags as shoulder bags, belly bags, or man bags? I look at them as, as women's purses. They're men carrying ah, purses that a man st- that a man stole. Yeah. Well, but I, but I will I will I will I will make a, a little bend a little bit because I carry I carry a fanny pack quite a bit. In fact, I was doing some cowboy poetry one time, and one of the people said, and one of the poems had to deal with the accoutrements of, of cowboy. And one of the people said, well, you're wearing a fanny pack. What do you call that? I said, no, that's my man saddlebag. There you go. And that's what it, that's how I, that's how I uh, rationalize and justify it. It's a man's saddlebag. I uh, uh, carry my firearm in mine. <laughs> Concealed. <laughs> you, know, you never know when someone's got a, That's right. got a fanny pack on. It might, you know, it might be a forty-five caliber fanny pack. You never know, and you really don't want to ask. Well, <laughs> right. And uh, just as it happens, uh, yesterday we were down in Orange County at Nola's, and uh, she's, you know, uh, we had our our. We did all our stuff during the day, and then we came back early enough, and she said, well, why don't we eat some ice cream and watch a movie? So I said, great, you go through the boxes and take a movie. And she, uh, no, she, we, she makes these uh, hot fudge sundaes, and mm. I'm not going to tell you what she puts in them, because you don't deserve to know. But uh, beyond that, um, she, she pulls out, she all of a sudden she pulls out a DVD, and she looks at it, and she starts waving at me like she's the uh, the per, the guy throwing the checkered flag at the Indy 500. And I said, "Yes, my dearest." She goes, "Monty Walsh, I found Monty Walsh. I have the DVD here from Monty Walsh." So we sat and watched it, and at the end of it, uh, and I tell you this for a reason because at the end of it, she looks at me and she goes. He just wasn't going to let it go, was he? <laughs> and I said, no, he wasn't. Nope. That's that's what the Westerns of today lack. Yeah. He wasn't going to let it go. On that His note? His friend was killed by another friend. It didn't matter. Yeah. I'm not letting it go. And that's we're right. not going to let our sponsor go. No, we're not going to let our sponsor go. We're going to do it right now. We are streaming live from the White Stallion Ranch at Samuel Francis' Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker DeFrance, and Todd Roberts with you. We'll be right back. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. The Tucson Trap and 
boutique club dates from 1948 and is now at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway. The club owns 80 acres and leases 300 more from Pima County that supports 50 trap fields, 15 skeet fields, two five-stand fields, two sporting plays courses with 12 stations each, a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, 200 full-service RV hookups for members, and free Wi-Fi. This expansive facility gives enough room to host major national and international events annually, bringing thousands of people to the community. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. I've been driving trucks for a long time. Safety is my number one priority. I know that my truck has huge blind spots. That's why I remember to check my mirrors often for smaller vehicles. Everyone can help keep our roads safe. Next time you're behind the wheel, try to avoid lingering in those blind spots. It can be dangerous. Let's all plan to share the road safely. Learn how at www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. Mr. Manolito, you come to join up with us or you just running for protection? Oh, man, back, please. That poor girl, you know, she she misunderstood my, my tender friendship for deep love. Deep love, huh? Well, the next time we come to town, you're going to ramrod this outfit. And you're going to live under my conditions. No red eye, no mezcal, no pulque, no nada. You're going to nursemaid me and Blue Boy. Right. Oh, please, you know me. I have such a... A weak character. (laughs) Come on, Romeo. This is the Voices of the West. And we're back on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander Bunker to France. Tad Roberts with you. A little bit of a high chaparral humor there. Good stuff, man. Uh, You know, I just realized we didn't do... Uh, we, there was an announcement we needed to make at the beginning of the show. Uh, and that was? That was that put your pie of popcorn aside, get your bowl of spaghetti or your pasta, and sit down and finger food yourself while you listen to the show. And have a nice glass of red wine. A glass of red dago. Dago red. <laughs> yes. Uh, we're talking spaghetti westerns here on our movie Saturday program. Uh, and uh, I want to I want to kind of drift into yep. Alex Cox's Ten Thousand Ways sure. to Die, and he kind of in the introduction he kind of gives, uh, and some of it's going to work and some of it's not going to work, but it's the description of Italian westerns. And he starts with, "When I was trying to raise money for Revenger's Tragedy, it sometimes helped to describe Frank Contrell Boyce's adaptation of Thomas Middleton's Jacobean horror comedy." as a spaghetti western. (laughs) The financier's face would brighten slightly, but what did these words, spaghetti western, mean to them? Clint Eastwood and a license to print money, the desert, Europe, and the swinging 60s, and their 20s and their teenage years. And then we move down here a little further. What do we got here? Brutality is applied unskillably unskillfully on brutality in what appears to be blatant plea for the X certificate. The censors had awarded it, wrote Richard Davis in review of a fistful of dollars. So that you know that was part of it was it was an exotic mm-hmm. kind of art form. Now let's see, we got another thing I wanted to mention. Okay. Violence. Arbitrary, stupid violence which could descend at any second from any side seemed to be the norm. So when a series of films appeared which depicted an atmosphere of mindless, incessant, childish, arbitrary violence, I was hooked. (laughs) I saw my first Italian double bill, fistful of dollars and for a few dollars more. I was impressed. Here was a world of arbitrary, stupid violence with the protagonist who dealt with it and survived. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, the uh, the fetching Mrs. Alexander does not care for spaghetti westerns. Well, you know, that was another thing we were talking about before the show, is that, you know, we've mentioned over and over about how if you want to, if you're going to watch a silent western, yeah. you've got to... Got to go in with, with that mindset. The mindset of a guy who had never seen a, a sound western. And and she does try and do that yeah. when we watch one. Well, it's not going to work for everybody. No, it doesn't. And, and I, you know, the one that we watched, what was the one Henry Fonda was in? Um, oh, uh, Once Upon a Time in the West? Yeah. 
we watched that one and <laughs> the first what, there's no dialogue until five minutes into yeah. into it and she's looking at me saying where's the dialogue where's the dialogue <laughs> and I say watch and it's a silent movie yeah right and but she and and that's okay you know uh, there she watches stuff that I think is really stupid too mm-hmm. <laughs> but well you know let's move up to the 1930s yeah you know here here you go you've got the B westers you've got you got America is still in the 1930s basically an agrarian country yes 80 percent of the population is in the hinterland it's not in the city that's correct and yeah. these are people that identify with it these are that some of these people uh, in fact, the people making it are people that were alive when the Wild West was still the Wild West. You know, yeah. yeah. I, I'm always amazed when I uh, watch that, watch B movies, and look at the uh, the, the, horsemanship, the cast yeah. and the horsemanship and whatnot. And many of the cast members are born in the 1800s, yeah. late 1800s, and so you know they they had a part of that. Uh, well, one thing though that. I'm looking at here uh, with the Italian Western, specifically 1967, is that they were churning them out like there was no tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, we got one here that was released on the 2nd of March, one, uh, two that were released on the 3rd of March, uh, one on the 9th of March, another on the 10th, and then, then it goes to the 22nd and the 23rd of March of 67. So, I mean, these things were coming out like there's no tomorrow. Well, here's, here's another little well, short excerpt from the book. Uh, and he said, uh, several hundreds which were made every year, uh, but with the films I think that are significant, the golden years of the spaghetti westerns were 67 and 68. They were probably, these were probably more interesting chapters of the film. Okay. Todd, you were going to say? I was just going to say that the, you know, as always in any uh, monolithic uh, uh, situation, when the monolithic power uh, steps back, it creates a vacuum. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened here in 67 and 68 oh, okay. in Hollywood. Yep, yep. And, uh, you know, let's put it into perspective. Um, Lee Marvin made two films that year. Neither one was a Western. Um, and... You know, it's important. I'm not, this is not an excuse, but it's an explanation to put some perspective to it. Uh-huh. Just some of the films in 1967 Cool Hand Luke, Bonnie and Clyde, Wait Until Dark with Audrey Hepburn, Les Samurai, directed by the great Jean Pierre Melville with Alan de Leon, mm. uh, The Graduate, The Dirty Dozen with Lee Marvin, and a cast of some of the greatest actors yeah. ever. Uh, El Dorado. This is the top 20 films of that year, best grossing films. El Dorado is the only Western. It's 66, but of course it flowed over into 67 because it did so well. Barefoot in the Park with Jane Fonda, Robert Redford, In Cold Blood with Scott Wilson and Robert Blake. Uh, The Incident uh, with Brock Peters. you also have The Jungle Book with Phil Harris. It's an animated film. You've also got um, uh, Face to Face, another Western Italian, but it did well enough. In the Heat of the Night, Sidney Poitier and, uh, um, of course, Rod Steiger. Getting back um, to Italian Western. But that, that, Death Rides a Horse. Yeah. So you only have a few here. Well, so the big vacuum was created, and they filled it up with these westerns from Italy. Interesting. Well, here's the thing, too, though. It's a good point about the vacuum, but we have to bear in mind that the Italians were not making these movies for America. No. They were making them for Italy and Europe, and the basic premise of these guys was most like I said earlier most of these directors were trying to make a political statement and the only safe really safe well, there was some really out there directors that made some great films in Europe at that period but for the most part to get budgeting they could get budgeting for these little westerns and they would take whatever their whatever their crusade was translated into the western genre 
So political correctness back then. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> but the distributors, the distributors were very sensitive to what the American public, the movie-going audience, wanted. They wanted westerns, so that's why they went out and found those Italian westerns and brought them in. So don't forget also the other big, great film by Lee Marvin that year was Point Blank. Mm -hmm. The producers by Mel Brooks with uh, Zero Mostel and Gene Wilder. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you had uh, the uh, Reflections in a Golden Eye with Marlon Brando and Elizabeth Taylor. So, getting so back you had all these tremendous Italian films, Westerns. but don't, yeah, but that's why the Italian Western filled up that void because it was empty. Well, you, you're 100% you're right there because the thing was the Italian financiers were looking for stuff that they could make money with. And they were not. They weren't looking to make American dollars. No. They were looking to make lira. The American filmmakers were looking to make American dollars, yeah. and they they weren't interested in the westerns because they didn't think a western could make money anymore. We are streaming live to you from the White Stallion Ranch, just north of Tucson. So that's the, uh, the all the sounds that you hear in the background there are, are some of the guests walking around, well, and they're some of the dudes and dudettes. <laughs> Well, you know, I want to have a good, good Yeah, time. this always happens. When there's free flowing liquor, I'm never invited. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I want I want to actually yeah, yeah. get to an actual movie now. I know, here we are, we're almost through three quarters of the way through yep, the show. And you finally get to yeah, a movie. Yeah, you get to a movie. And uh, the one I'm going to start with and probably finish with, and I'm going to stay pretty close to what uh, Alex Cox was saying here, was Django Kills. It was also known as, say, say, Vivo Sparta, Gringo Unsidi. If you live, shoot, Oro Hondo, Oro Maldito, Tire in Corre Si Tu, Pew, Pew. I think that might be French. But, uh, and here, I'm going to just run through this because this, uh, we don't do a lot of this, but I'm going to run through the production end of this, because right. this will give you an idea, kind of. Director, Julio Queste. Producer, Alessandro Giacolini. Screenplay, Julio Queste. Franco Arcali. Bernardito Benetti. Director of Photographer, Franco Della Colli. Art Direction, Enzo Bogarle. Jose Luis Galicia. Jamie Perez Kubro, editor Franco Ocala, sound designer and assistant director Gianni Amelia, music Ivan Vandor. You know, and this is one of the in the early days. A lot of these these guys would actually in the credits they would have American names. Mm -hmm. and some of the guys, like some of the directors, would made three or four pictures with an American name. Then the Italian. You know, the Italian posters with the Italian titles, mm -hmm. they would have their real name, but the American posters, they'd have, like, one I was telling you about earlier, Max Hilton. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. As, a, as opposed to that. Now, wow. let, let, let's deal with the cast on this one. All right. Cast. Tomas Milan, the stranger, and he was a big star over there. Piero Lulli, Hoax. Cuyo, Emilio Cuesta, Timbler. Paco Sanz, Alderman Ackerman. Roberto Carmel de Zorro, Mary Lou Torlo, Lori, Raymond Lovelock, he probably was an Englishman, uh, Evan, Patricia Vaturi, Elizabeth, Daniel Martin, he might have been an American, Eduardo de Santis, Miguel Serrano, Angel Silva, Sancho Gracia, Morelli Pafelli. I mean, that's those are names. I guess they are. Hey, my goodness, my good bunker, your accent is so good. We might be able to get you a job I, in an Italian restaurant. You think? Yeah. Well, I'm trying to get a dubbing job. <laughs> well, we're going to take our last commercial break here on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, Todd Roberts with you, streaming from the White Stallion Ranch. We'll be right back. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. 
That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Are you looking for a smart way to invest your hard-earned dollars? Look no further than Wilkinson Wealth Management. This is an investment firm that works for you based on your expectations, not what the stock market says. This is a firm that wants you as a client, not just as a customer. This is a firm that lets you design a portfolio for when you need it. It's a new name, but the same great service you've come to expect. I Miss Wilkinson is now Wilkinson Wealth Management, 7411 East Tancoverde in Tucson, 520-777-1911. Read classic Western comics anytime at Voices of the West.net. Hello? I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats. But did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right. It's called Horses Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. We all make promises, big and small. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. I do solemnly swear to help you when you're in need. To be considerate and caring. To be your loving, faithful friend, partner, child, parent, neighbor. One of our most important commitments is to support our nation's veterans. Learn how you can help a veteran going through a difficult time by visiting maketheconnection.net. Take Dodge City over there. Gomorrah of the Plains, they call it. Jump-off spot. People coming and going all the time, good, bad, and worse. Tempers high. A man will draw his gun quicker to prove a point than he'll draw on his logic. This is the Voices of the West. Francie's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. We are streaming live to you from the White Stallion Ranch just north of Tucson. And um, a little sound effects. <laughs> a little bit of sound effects. We're talking Italian Westerns, spaghetti Westerns, 67 plates of pasta yeah. uh, here on a Saturday afternoon. One of the things that comes up uh, in the title I've been noticing on a lot of these movies is the name Django. Django. What is it with Django, Bunker? Well, first of all, you know, the first time Django appears in one of the Westerns, he's uh, a villain, secondary villain, and he ends up getting killed. Okay. But something something clicked, and it's just like, you know, Schwarzenegger with Terminator. In the first one, he's, a, you know, an emotionless, evil, robotic thing. Yeah. When they make the second, he comes back and he's a hero. He's still the same Terminator, but he's the hero because the the, the money money people said, "Hey, this is a money machine. Let's make more yeah, right. of it." Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And yeah, I'm going to read some more stuff here before we run yeah, out because right. this I think will help to help kind of fit, uh, fill it in and finish it. Django killed happened by chance. 
Westerns were a big business in the mid-60s, and there were large audiences for them. There were financial incentives to make Italian films, also to shoot co-productions. A producer, Alessandro Giovanni, had made a deal with a distributor to supply several westerns. Having no westerns at all, he needed to shoot some fast. <laughs> he knew a director named Julio Queste, who had contracted several films and was preparing a comedy horror film, Death Laid an Egg. Giacovoni asked Questi if he had any Western scripts. Questi didn't. He wasn't particularly interested in Westerns, but this was also a chance to do something he wanted, cloaked in a Western guise. So Questi and his partner, Kim Arcali, co-writer and later editor of Death Late and Egg, quickly wrote a screenplay falsely credited to a Spaniard, Maria del Carmen Martinez Roman, in order to qualify for a co-production status. Though set in the Wild West, it was based on Questi's experiences as an anti-fascist partisan in World War II. And this is what Questi had to say about the movie. For me, oh, no, I won't do that. For me, the Italian Western was only a way to tell stories that I had more than in my head, in my heart. I didn't use the movie Western formula, only the look. I wanted to recount all of the things, the cruelty, the comradeship with friends, the death, all the experiences I had of war in combat in the mountains. Interesting. You know, and that, 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 was, that, that in a way explains what the Italian directors were like and what they were doing. Todd Roberts, your honest opinion of uh, spaghetti westerns, and keep it short if you would, please. (laughs) (laughs) That's a double negative. Uh, 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 You know, we've talked more than once on this show about this, and Bunkler has made a very good point that, you know, he does not look at the spaghetti western on the whole as a true western for the basic reason that uh, that a uh, great number of them lack sincerity, a loyalty, and a drawing a line in the sand, okay. as the average American Western does. Right, have all those characteristics, and I agree with that. But I do see uh, points of great light, shall we say, mm-hmm. when you look at films like uh, Once Upon a Time in the West or. Um, the you Great Silence. Film, the Great Silence. Or you see a film uh, like uh, The Man with No Name, a fistful of dollars, a few dollars more, and Good, Bad, and the Ugly. Because they were taken off of uh, the great samurai westerns uh, by uh, Kurosawa, which, you know, they all stem from the film Yojimbo with. Uh, uh, it's the Ford Kurosawa Leone Triumph. Yes. Uh, Triangle Triumph, which, by the way, an extension of that is then Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Because uh, George Lucas always talks about that, you know, Star Wars is a Western and, mm-hmm. uh, based on a samurai film. And Kurosawa said, all my films are Shakespearean stories based in Western, uh, st- staged as Westerns. And uh, I think everything goes back to the Western because everything in this country goes back to the Western. Well, it's the, the first indomitable, sp- Well, but also the indomitable spirit of the frontier mm-hmm. uh, that this country forged ahead and said, you know, uh, uh, inalienable rights and uh, manifest destiny, and we're going to go out and find it. And if we can't find it, we're going to create it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, there are people who lost at the hands of this, shall we say, movement, but uh, a great many of us have benefited and still continue to benefit from it. And I think that uh, uh, the, the Italian Western is just an example of the American Western stepping back and not producing enough, so the Italians stepped in. Yeah, it, and I think many of them still. are right on the mark. Yes, history does not stand still, and I think they they hit it right on the mark. I really do. It, they were, it was the right time, the right the right mentality. Uh, you know, and, and again, though, we don't give the Germans enough credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, True. For True. you know because. They were making the westerns ten years before the Italians, and we'll cover that yeah. in another and look show. Look at a film. 
look at a film like A Man Called Sledge with James Garner mm-hmm. and, and Claude Akins and good Dennis movie. Weaver. Good movie. A real good Western that takes place in southern Spain by an Italian crew yeah. uh, and, and so on. So, uh, you know, I think it's easy to be critical. Uh, I think it takes a little bit of ingenuity and creativity to find the beauty in these films. Yeah, we need to get rid of the snobbery and, and just get down to this is entertainment and enjoy it. That's the bottom line. It is entertainment, people. Quit with your damn political correctness. If it can cut the pasta, yeah. if it can cut the pasta, it cuts the pasta. There you go. <laughs> get rid of your damn political correctness. Nobody gives a crap. Uh, <laughs> next time we get together on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, we got us a good one. Joel yeah. Dutch Dorch is with us, or will be with us. Say that three times. I try not to. He runs the uh, Roy Rogers Children's Foundation. Is that right? Yeah. Roy Rogers, Dale Evans, Happy Trails Children's Foundation. And he'll be with us to talk about Roy and Dale next time we get together here on Amal Franzi's Voices of the West. And the one and only Trigger. Yes. And Bullet. (laughs) 78, 79, 80 bowls of pasta. (laughs) So long, everybody. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West.